0: What do you do to follow that up? You know what I mean? How do you just come back less than 48 hours later and say, all right, fellas, let's replicate that. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning from New York. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates, where you found this. Game 2 is here tonight, 7.10pm face-off at Madison Square Garden. I'll be covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports, for Daily Shot, for, well, for fun, really. I mean, I'm never going to lie, this job can be fun. And what happened the other night was a whole lot of fun. For those of us who just observed it really for the most part but for the participants it's something different and if you're the visitors here tonight in particular you've got a heck of a challenge on your hands because you know that the home team is going to try to do the same thing it did in game one meaning to just come out there and run everyone out of the building. Have Ryan Reeves go pick off defensemen one at a time. Have everybody do it really, and you know because this is the n h l that it's not gonna get stopped. They're not gonna call charging. they're not gonna call boarding. They're not gonna call they're not gonna call anything. It's the n h l It's funny that for all the talk that I hear around the hockey world about how close everything's being called. I sure didn't see that the other night in that first period. Those officials were just as swayed by the rambunctious crowd in that place as the players were. And any time that happens, it becomes a free-for-all. And I'm not suggesting that all the Rangers' hits were You know, dirty or ugly or whatever, but at some point or other, you want to make sure that people aren't getting hurt. And they really, 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 really blew it with the Ricard Raquel call, and not just within the scope of this series. It's going to happen again. If anyone thinks that Gerard Gallant, who has coached his teams to be extremely feisty everywhere he's been in the NHL, from Sunrise to Las Vegas and now here, They don't know who they're dealing with. And I'm going to repeat, that doesn't mean that the Rangers are dirty. They're really not. Nor that Gallant advocates that they be dirty. But he does want them hitting. He does want old school physical hockey. And if anyone thinks that he's going to look back at the video of game one from the first period onward, And say, well, you know what? Maybe if we hadn't invested all that energy, both physically and emotionally, in trying to murder these guys, we wouldn't have been outpossessed and outshot as badly as we were. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. Coaches talk about. Things that they can control and things that they can't. Mike Sullivan had a good example of this a couple nights ago in discussing the Penguins power play, which still isn't getting results, but is all over the possession and the attacking zone and the distribution and their retrieval, the accuracy of their passes, everything. They're just not finishing for who knows what reason, but, you know, pretty much the other night because. Igor Shosturkin was in net. Well, believe me, it's going to matter to Gallant that his team gave up all the chances that they did and they didn't generate anywhere near as much as they should, or at least it should matter to him and everyone on New York's staff. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. So if we can be relatively certain that the Rangers are going to come out and do the same thing, should the Penguins find some kind of way to adjust Is there something they could be uh, discussing or planning that might point to anything in that direction? If so, it sure wasn't clear here at practice yesterday. Here's what Kasperi Kapanen had to say as far as what the Penguins might be able to do better in Game 2. Um... Well, I think first of all they they scored on the power play, so I think our PK's been phenomenal all year. I think that's something that um, you know we can we can try to improve on, um, and I think just kind of not letting them get some speed and getting uh, odd man rushes and kind of trying to hold the puck a bit longer in our zone and uh, or in their zone. Um, just playing a heavier game, and they they played physical game too. You could see in the first period they were running a lot of our D and a lot of our guys, and I think uh, we just got to respond to that. And that's telling because it's a general response, and you don't hear really hardly anything in there. There's a reference, but not much, to how to handle the physical stuff. Maybe the Penguins can be a little bit more physical themselves, but you're not going to see them going eye for an eye or anything like that. You're not going to see them abandoning the system that prioritizes having the puck. You're just not. It served them really, really well in game one, not just for what they were able to achieve five on five, which was pretty much dominance when you're talking about a playoff game, but also the fact that they had a four to one edge in power plays, including a five on three on which they scored. You know, if you have the puck, you're not going to be taking penalties too often. And other than Teddy Bluger getting called for a ticky-tacky slash at 8.58 of the first period, that was it. That was it. Over six periods, or parts of six periods, there wasn't another power play for New York. Why? They didn't have the puck. Now, all that said... Nobody likes getting their brains beat in, you know? Nobody likes getting smashed into the boards or the glass the way the Penguins defensemen were three times by Ryan Reeves, once by whatever's happened to Alexi Lafreniere, another time by Jacob True, but there was a lot of it going on. And I'm not even mentioning Ryan Lindgren's cheap shot that injured Raquel. Maybe you make sure that you're in better position to either avoid or absorb hits. Maybe make sure that you're initiating at least some contact. If you're in hockey, if you're looking for a hit yourself when it makes sense, and that is something that Sullivan encourages, believe it or not, when there's a hit to be had that looks like it can help you gain or sustain possession, you go ahead and take it. And if you enter the game with that mindset, that more aggressive, confident mindset, I think that'll benefit the Penguins all around. Let's not kid anybody here. A lot of what happened in that first period was just the Penguins going, whoa, hang on a second. What do we do here? But then once they figured that out, it really wasn't a factor anymore. Is that entirely because the Rangers got tired or spent themselves? Or is it because... The Penguins did a really good job of adjusting already on the spot and will be better equipped to handle whatever comes their way tonight. I don't know, but it's going to be fun and fascinating to watch. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Scott Rosick, who asks, Crystal Tang is hard to replace, but is he truly necessary? He's not. And Adam Fox, a Cael McCarr, or Roman Yossi, he's been average against top-tier teams and is a liability too often for the cap hit. The 2017 Penguins won it all without him, and some contenders today don't have an equivalent. Can't a combo of Mike Matheson, John Marino, and P.O. Joseph, fill the gap. You know, Scott, there's a lot of taking for granted that happens um, in a lot of situations in life, <laughs> never mind something as insignificant as following sports teams, and we're all guilty of it. But when it comes to the Penguins and their fans, I would put any appreciation for what it is that Latang brings to the very top of that list, up to and including his value. And by that, I'm talking about the cap hit and the value. You say he's not worth the cap hit because he's not one of the three finalists, presumably the guys you mentioned, will be for the Norris Trophy. And I'll counter, and robustly so, that he is underpaid regardless of his age for what he delivers for the Penguins on an annual basis as compared to market rates around the league. For anyone who doesn't know, latang has been at $7.25 million for a while in terms of AAV or average annual value. He has led his team in ice time pretty much nonstop over his tenure. He's been a principal figure on both the power play and the penalty kill, which incidentally is rare error in the NHL for a defenseman to do it and to do it well. He's scored at a better rate over the last couple of years than he had for quite a while. And on top of all that, ever since the arrival of Or the return, I should say, of Todd Reardon, who once upon a time really set Letang straight in terms of making sure that his game got rid of a lot of those hiccups that you're citing there. He's been really steady. I have a feeling, Scott, and I'm saying this in a nice way, that you're repeating memes and themes from years ago. Because if I ask you, when was the last time that you saw Latang playing the way you describe as some sort of error-prone, mistake-filled guy, you're going to struggle. You're going to have to go back. Or you're going to get real, real, real nitpicky over something from two, three weeks ago, which is just normal for a guy who's on the rink 25 minutes a night. Or, as was the case a couple nights ago, 46 minutes, and I'm not going to question whether or not you're being genuine with your sentiment or your feeling, or if you're just trying to be right about something that you said three or four years ago, but the fact, the indisputable fact, according to the people inside this team who do the evaluations, whether they're talking to you on the record or off the record or trying to pump him up for PR purposes or whatever other devious things people think goes on in the world of professional sports, the fact is he has been outstanding for a long stretch now and people not wanting to lose arguments that began taking place years ago as if this is like some kind of political debate you know, when no one can ever be wrong, and all that matters is being right and not being wrong, never admitting that you're wrong. All I'm going to do here is ask you, especially the next time you're at the game, and maybe that'll be for games three and or four back home, is to watch him. Watch what he does. I don't know how much of that translates effectively to television, but I do know that from watching this man play over an extended period of time he does a lot of things that a lot of people most of them on this planet can't do as an NHL defenseman whether he's in the Fox Yossi Makar class of course he isn't but he's not that far behind them and he's well above most so no my my answer to that is no He is not going to be casually replaced by any combination of Matheson, Marino, Joseph, who's been stuck in the minors the last two years while other guys are getting called up around him. It's okay to consider new things and to process new information and take new stances. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. I was kind of nice about that, right? Right? Yeah, okay, good. Good. Because I think everybody's in a pretty good mood. I don't want to take anybody off.
1: We'll do another one of
0: these tomorrow after game two.